This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod, where we talk to our friends about the movies we love. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. The government... The government was not having it. Like in twenty, like I was in a bunch of meetings in 2015 where like the nerds from Silicon Valley were like, "Can we just please stop saying this?" And by the former chief security officer of Facebook, Alex Stamos. M- Martin Scorsese felt the disturbance of the force right there, Jason, for sure. <laughs> we finally cover the movie that defined a generation: Hackers. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want. A link is in the show notes. And now, without further ado, hackers. Alex. You're a big get for the pod. We're very yeah. excited to have you here. For people who don't know, you are the director of the Stanford Internet Observatory and the former chief security officer of Facebook just from 2015 to 2018, uh, you know, when not too much stuff not was going. Not too much happened. A chilling <laughs> time. A chilling <laughs> time. So the first question I want to ask you is, uh, Jason uh, posted today in our discord, a link to artifact, uh, the new startup from the, uh, Instagram guys. And this idea of having healthier content and having engagement, which is not based on outrage per se, but more based on interest level and using machine learning to be able to both, you know, prevent disinformation, but also to kind of create healthier kind of communities. So what's your take on kind of this next phase of the internet and, and, kind of the correction that we've had and maybe now some of that correction getting undone. I think there's a lot of decisions that are being made on a not completely empirically backed assumption that everything bad with, that happens online is driven by algorithms, right? Um, and mm-hmm. this has just like become kind of a shibboleth of the, you know, mostly kind of uh, what you might call the uh, tech skeptical media um, and a number of academics that just like, you know, if you put human beings together and you allow them to communicate, they're wonderful to each other, except mm-hmm. those pesky algorithms. Um, and I just don't mm. think that's true. And, and there's actually a lot of good empirical social science evidence that's coming out over the last couple of years that demonstrate that one, um, algorithms are, as you might expect, completely dependent on how people use products. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so it is true. They can give people more of what they want. Uh, and that can help people seal themselves into an ecosystem. But for the most part, you know, people are exposed to a, a much broader set of ideas and views than they were 15, 20 years ago. They choose to find the stuff that makes them angry or that reinforces their culture war aspects and their identity mm-hmm. aspects. And so um, I, I think it's great for people to build these products. It's fine. But like the assumption, like as, as a guy who worked, who works on adversarial stuff, right? Like the things I work on, I you know obviously work on cybersecurity and hackers. I had a child safety team at Facebook. I had a counterterrorism team. A lot of bad stuff mm. is driven by people just deciding to be bad guys. And they were bad guys before, and now they're bad guys on the internet. And the internet makes their job easier in lots of ways. And so the companies have a special responsibility. But the idea that like these, you know, 
bad things in society were created by algorithms is just hasn't been backed up by evidence. And it's become this thing that like, it's easy to believe. Um, and it kind of tells people what they want to hear when you tell them that it just doesn't turn out to really have a lot of truth behind it. And, and it's like good, good clickbait. Uh, <laughs> that is not, not necessarily true. Yeah, truth. Yeah. And, and I guess I would say, you know, like I, I'm not a product genius uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it feels like coming in and like laying off your entire trust and safety team is not like the way to have a, you know, to be able to deal with those bad actors. Well, right. So, I mean, we talk about Twitter is just this spectacular experiment of what happens (laughs) when you throw away, you know, Twitter's had all kinds of trust and safety problems for decades, years, Mm -hmm. years, years. Um, Mm -hmm. They made a lot of progress in the last couple of years on both trust and safety and security, right? Like, you know, Twitter Mm -hmm. had these big breaches of, you know, teenagers taking over President Obama's account, um, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia paying off employees to to steal data to spy on people, mm. not good things. Um, wild shit. Yeah, some wild <laughs> shit. Um, and so they there has been a a decent amount of improvement, and all those people are gone. All the people on the trust and safety team, right. the security team has been decimated. The infosec team. Um, yeah. And now it's just like Elon and Cat Turd too figuring out like what you know. What is the standard for speech, uh, political speech in the United States? So, Catcher too, I believe, is the head of trust and safety at this point. I think Catcher <laughs> too, like, has just direct commit access. Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah. I mean, close. The head of trust and safety is somebody who joined right before this all happened, and she got like seven promotions. Um, yeah, and yeah. It, it's kind of like uh, ambition's a hell of a drug. Uh, wow. to, yeah, you know, kind of situation. Well, there's a there's some wild reporting about that individual out today that is worth your attention on on platformer and the Washington Post in yes. particular. Right. Well, yeah. I, I was I was tweeting about this before is that Elon's about to learn what the Stored Communications Act is, the Electronic Communications yes. Privacy enjoy, Act. Please please enjoy that. Yeah. That was uh, my question. Like Jason, do you think that that he will be pulled up short on that? Like the other Will thing there be a reckoning? The other thing he's about to learn about is inherited liability because he's waived <laughs> privilege on these hearings that are coming up on on uh, February 8th, which basically never happens yeah. unless you believe that like the executives involved were doing something expressly illegal and you're trying to distance yourself from it. And the reason it never happens is because it your liability doesn't go away, nor do you avoid liability by having bought the company. Like those all redound back to you. Huh. Well, just big picture. This is the craziest time in the history of the internet to buy a social media company, right? Like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. if, if you're just picking, if you want to talk about yeah. buy low, sell high, right? If you want to <laughs> right. buy high and sell low. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like we have the Digital Services Act in Europe, which has created all these responsibilities for a company yeah. of, of Twitter size. Not every company, but t- Twitter is in but the Twitter top category. on the threshold. Under yeah. the DSA. Yeah. Um, which uh, Elon just tweeted, he just had a great conversation with the Europeans. I'm like, sure. I'm oh sure yeah, I'm sure. They, they, yeah, they're, they're super down with you. <laughs> yeah. They're excited. No, they love... The European Commission they, loves Catcher too. Yeah. <laughs> Love them. Um, and so like you have the Europeans and then here in the US, there's two major Supreme Court cases. Uh, the Gonzalez yeah. arguments are going to be heard yeah. really soon. And it's Boyd yeah. DeSantis, the law, the law from Florida. Right. Like it's yeah. Boyd DeSantis is about to fuck up the eight ways from Sunday. Yeah. So that one got pushed, right? So uh, we're not going to hear the Texas. And so we can't right. have the most okay. hilarious possible outcome, which the most hilarious possible thing for the Supreme Court to do is to say that effectively intermediary platforms have strict liability for all speech, but they right. also can't take it down. Right. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, right. It, it's it's going to be great. I mean, it's just going to be great. He's going to really enjoy it. <laughs> well, we'll be there rooting on uh, all of the pain. So I, I want to give a shout out, Alex. Like, I would love to spend an hour talking talking about this. Um, I do want to direct folks at dear friend of the show, Peter Kafka on Recode Media. You were on yes. there talking about this 
um, extensively, and it was a really, really fascinating um, conversation. And and I is trust and safety. I worked on anti spam, antivirus stuff for fifteen years, and so I, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, so folks should check that out if they want to hear more about that. But tonight we're here for some real business. Oh, let's uh, get done. And, and we are here to tackle, uh, you know, a movie that inspired a generation, and that is 1995's classic, Hackers. Yes. Very related, very related to the transition in internet culture we're going through right now. It's going to be, it's a, it's a movie that has timeless themes that will speak to our moment. Yeah. And I can't wait. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. Before we do next week on Dune Pod, Jason, the West Coast Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal. Oh my God. And the author of The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies, Ben Fritz. That's amazing. Isn't that wild? It's crazy. I don't remember how we got connected to Ben, but I'm stoked. Uh, and he is coming, Jason, for the movie that defined seat one mentality for all time, Reese Witherspoon's indie classic, Election. That really is your, that's your spiritual, <laughs> your your spiritual cinematic archetype is just like the ultimate tryhard. April told me today, uh, this morning, when I told her we were doing election, she said, A, she loved it, and B, she had a lot of people that sort of, you know, called her Tracy Flick uh, early on in her career. Jesus, so. you're you're a marriage of two Tracys? Pretty wild, huh? Well, that's crazy. Yeah, I, it's working. I, all right. What can I tell you? It can work. God bless. <laughs> she told me also, Alex, that at one point, the two of you were at a conference and you guys sang Islands in the Stream together. Oh. And that she felt she'd left you hanging a little bit because she thought she realized that I had carried the song when we do karaoke together for that one. Oh, wow. I don't recall that, but I don't recall most of karaoke of uh, my lifetime. <laughs> like About 4% of the songs that I've sung. Uh, yeah. There you go. Fair That's enough. It's a pretty wild, like polyamorous islands in the stream situation we just got a little hint of here. <laughs> it's a great it's, song. Hey, man, it's the 21st century. And it's you can do classic. whatever you want. It's California. Yeah. Right. If this is Florida... Like we yeah. couldn't even talk about this. Yeah. Like this entire the podcast would be banned talking about oh, yeah. multiple no, people yeah. singing karaoke together. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, listen, how about if we do some Dune news? Would you like to know more? Let's go. You Dune ready? News. Yeah. So I just want to hit quickly, Jason, obviously, you know, reverberating across the internet today, uh, Warner Brothers announcement of the James Gunniverse. Oh, yes. So this the is a big DC deal. Which reboot. We're just going to touch on it very briefly. Right. So chapter one, Gods and Monsters. I like the idea that phases have names, and that's a really cool, Gods and Monsters is a cool name. That is a good name. Superman Legacy is the first movie. The Brave and the Bold, featuring Batman and his son, Damien, who is one of the coolest Robins. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, like a sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. Swamp Thing, and The Authority. Oh. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, I, I think it's great. I, I As I am not a particular dc fan i don't really care about the main dc like i don't care about superman and batman uh and right. so i i think they don't make good movies um so i'm excited to see these other movies that are not those people did you uh, read the authority yeah i've read i've read a chunk of the authority not the whole thing but i love i love planetary uh yeah. it's like one of the comics i really like yeah uh, and so it crosses over with the authority and so yeah. i end up i end up touching on it a little bit. So I'm excited about that because it's weird. Alex, how about you? Any Are you into comics at all? I am a bit. Uh, I mean, I've, uh, you know, more like the Neil Gaiman graphic novel, try to yes. pretend, you know, be Sam more, be a little more adult. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's interesting because like they're recasting Superman, right? Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm fine with it. Like I, I'm like, just like get us, get us all new, get us younger folks, and and start over, and like let's let's just try and have a good run. I don't like him fucking with my man Cavill. I know. I like Cavill. Cavill. Like that video yeah. of him building a PC like during COVID. It was amazing. I was like incredible. Yeah. Like, wherever my Kinsey score is, it changed by a point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's <laughs> like, all right, slap my RAM, sir. So we'll see. They're they're doing some other crazy stuff. Paradise Lost is like Wonder Woman meets Game of Thrones. Uh, this Lanterns show. Wonder, wait, wait. Green you got to back it up. Wonder Woman meets Game of Thrones. That's that's literally that's, the pitch. That's line. how they pitch okay. it. That's the pitch. Um, and then right. it's on sat on Thermoscara Island. Uh, so that's interesting. This Green Lantern show, which they said their touchstone is true detective. I'm like, I don't even know how that works, but whatever. Wait, wait. So the whole yeah. thing is take a DC comic plus an HBO. It, it, that's like the exactly. entire pitch of phase one here is. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That, right, that's the what, Flash that's Last of Us. It's, it's exactly. a gritty exactly. reboot of the Flash <laughs> in the far future apocalypse. Yeah. This is like this is the Achilles heel and the whole gun plan, right? Is how much the Flash is important for their bridge to the future, and the guy who plays the Flash is uh, essentially like they, on the, the run. The, from the, the person whole, who plays the Flash, right? Sorry, yeah, the the person who plays the Flash is on like the run is on like the run, right? Like he like they <laughs> like not uh they're not allowed in contact with other humans it's not great it's not great they're on a they're on a uh, on a healing journey right now so we'll see we'll see how that's gonna we wish we wish the flash well i I say there's there's nothing in hollywood that can't be solved with uh 30 days at the right rehab center in malibu right like i've drove we we vacationed in malibu and we drove (laughs) past uh promises or whatever like the really big fancy one there I was like, looks delightful. Like I, I, I'm ready, ready to, to get canceled. Like, I will leave my kids. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second piece of do news. Timothy's Apple TV plus ad campaign. It's robust. They're on like this, two or three uh, ads now. There's different cuts on TikTok. Mm. Like there's there's a lot of different things. So the speculation in Discord and elsewhere is like, is he getting a show? How cool would it be if he does? It depends on what the show is. Fair. I guess, uh, yeah. I guess he could appear in Sisterhood, uh, you know, as a as a vision for the future or something. That could be cool. That's not Apple TV Plus, though. That's a great point. You raise a great. <laughs> point. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Uh, so that's that. Uh, and then let's see. Oh, I'm just going to call out quickly a featured review we got this week from Klor107. Subject line: Not woke enough. Yes. Great pod. Inject all the woke politics like. Syringe, muscle arms, five stars. Yes. Thank you. Good K-Lor job translating those emojis. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we appreciate that review. The not all of our one star, all of our reviews were completely polarized. We either get five star <laughs> or one star reviews. Yes. And a hundred percent of our one star reviews are people who listen and were like, these guys have good opinions on movies, but then they said They're something funny. Political. I like them. There's some, they said something that like, they don't think it's cool to like make fun of trans people and I'm out. <laughs> like that's important <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, I need that. This is my, like, all right, well, this is probably not going to be your pod. This is my hill. All right. Uh, let's welcome some new discord friends. Hearty. Welcome to the first two people that joined us. First wonder kid chaos and the admin from the X-Ray Vision Discord, Beamer to Mars. Welcome. But I will give a final shout out to our last new Discord friend, <laughs> <Yes>. my wife, <laughs> A under. Yeah, she texted me and she's like, uh, 
If you see my husband in your Discord, could you please let him know? I've been trying to get a hold of him for a while. <laughs> I've not been able wow. to. I was like, oh shit, I don't know. I was like, I think he's at, I was like, tried to cover. <laughs> I was like, I think he's at physical therapy. And she's like, no, that was several <laughs> hours ago. And I was like, okay. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes he's just gone for a while. I was like, I was trying to cover it. But then just as I was texting with her, you, you uh, DM'd me uh, something about something completely unimportant. I was like, cool. <laughs> Your wife has been trying to find you for a while. I don't know what it is about Mac OS, but I don't get oh, pop-up notifications. System. It's the operating uh, system. I don't get I don't get notifications. Even if I'm not on Do Not Disturb, I don't get notifications as well as on Discord, which doesn't That'll be a new one for the marriage therapist to hear this week. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yes. It's it's this it's Monterey or right, whatever right. version. As of you're hitting each other with foam bats. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is it. yeah. For Been the notifications. Been there. <laughs> All right, Alex, what is your history, if any, with Dune? Oh, I love Dune. Um, I read all the books as a kid, had those, the classic cover, dog-eared. Wow. Um, I, I I was always- All six? All, all six, six the first three? All six, I, like the last two, uh, probably yes. ones that my parents should not have bought me when I was 12 or whatever. Uh, they they, they yes. go off the rails a little bit. Um. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, I love Dune. Um, I, I really enjoyed the Lynch movie from a atmospheric perspective. I enjoyed the music. Sure. I love Toto. Like the score is awesome. <laughs> um, I've literally like worked yeah. out to the like prophecy theme, you know, um, Whoa, I've learned a bit. I, I nice. play guitar poorly. Uh, and, uh, I've learned a bit of the prophecy theme. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I love it. I, I actually kind of like the sci-fi series. I thought they did a good, reasonably good adaptation with no money. Right. Like if you're like, mm-hmm. if, if they said you get all, you have to fill all this time, um, but we, you have to hire uh-huh. C-list actors and your, your special effects are coming out of like an Amiga. Um, you know, that's what you'd get. Um, but I love the movie. I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a reimagining. It's definitely different, but I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I was there. I, I don't know if you remember, I was at your uh, screening at your IMAX. Screening. Yes. So um, yes. Which was a, an uh, incredible way to experience it. We'll save the date. November 2nd. Your yeah. invite is, is already extended. Absolutely. Happen again. Uh, Happening yeah. again. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I love doing it. It's great. It, it, I mean, it's, it's a, one of those classic, like, I, I feel like it's the more healthy, nerd obsession book than atlas shrugged right for like the, yes. the better oh, because like every every like te- you know nerdy teenage boy can put themselves in paul's shoes right can like project right. themselves right. and um it's much better to be you know paul even though i guess he leads a genocide eventually so we got to be a little careful with that but, but at least fine. the first book it's fine it's, it's, it's better right. be paul right than to you know go galt right um Listen, like even first of all, you're one of the few guests we've ever had who's read books five and six. I think like you've got to be among one of five guests that we've ever that have ever made to the end of the hexology. And then thing two is even with the sex ninja stuff and like, you know, Duncan, Idaho, the secret Jews. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even with all of that, it's still better than Ayn Rand. So like (laughs) like like even all that like is better than one chapter of the fountainhead yeah oh my god yeah what good job frank nailed it um not a big fan of like the new ones i, I just don't feel like they've I, I read a couple of them of the brian herbert and the other no you know and i just we don't, don't acknowledge them. think they captured we, we haven't 
I, I I get tempted every once in a while, uh, but but I have not yet taken the plunge. So and I'm three years. But, in but it's cool now. Yeah, my so. you know at least my boys. I've got a, a 15, 13 year old, and then an eleven year old daughter are old enough to read they're the first the, couple. So the I have window. them. Yeah, I have them reading, and we've been. Uh, they they had to read the first book to to watch the movie with me, and um, yeah, that's been that's been it's been cool to, <sighs> nice. to re- experience it with them. Um, and then also to talk about like yeah you know he's studying history. And he's like oh this is like uh the Bedouin and this is, you know, Saudi Arabian yeah. World War one and stuff. And you're like, yeah, but this is, you know, it's just cool to, to see historical things mixing up in their head when they experience kind of the, the cultural output of that, that Herbert did. Dad of the year over here. It's amazing stuff. Nice job. Nice job. All right. Well, what do you think? Should we get into this movie? Let's do this movie. This most important movie that no one should hate. Oh All right. <laughs> here we go. Hackers is the underground battle for freedom against the oppression of our corrupt corporate overlords. Dade Murphy was only 11 when he donned the identity of Zero Cool and took down 1,507 computer systems, crashed Wall Street, and was put on a seven-year probation. Now, 18, Dade tries to establish himself as a transfer student at a New York high school. Taking the new persona of Crash Override, he will seek his place among the other keyboard samurai he meets. The Freak, Serial Killer, Joey, Nikon, and the alluring Kate. In their quest to stick it to the man and one-up each other, the crew will accidentally stumble upon a multi-million dollar heist secretly being perpetrated by the corporate cowboy, The Plague. With The Plague and his unwitting accomplices, the Secret Service, hot on their trail, can the crew work together, expose the truth, and prove once and for all that they are the true elite hackers? Yeah. Now, I want to start, because I heard the mocking tone with which you said the plague. I heard, yes. I heard that. <laughs> oh, the and plague. Yeah. That Sorry. is the real name of a hacker. That was part of this 80s, late early 90s hacking scene in New York that was heavily researched for this movie. So it's not a joke, Matt. It is a historical accuracy. The plague is a friend of mine, and you, sir, are not (laughs) the plague. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, Alex, uh, what is your history with hackers? So I see hackers in in a trifecta of movies for me uh, that helped uh, kind of consolidate my interest in this field, right? So the first would Speak be War Games, yeah, right? um, which you know, uh, sneakers, sneakers, sneakers is my favorite of the trifecta, honestly, and, and lit- actually made me want to start a pen test company, which I've ended up doing yeah. twice, right? So huh. sneakers has been incredibly impactful, um, and then hackers, which I think. Okay, so I know like the shtick for this podcast is we have to pretend this movie's like The Godfather. Um, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm just gonna say, I don't think it's a good movie, but it does, it is, it's almost funny. It's weird to watch because they capture real things, like Jason said, I'm sure we'll talk about this, a bunch yeah. of historical events and people I actually know okay. who were arrested or part of these scenes or something during this period of time. Mm. And then they accurately capture some parts of kind of hacker subculture from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
blow it up and neonize it and make beautiful people uh, say the words. Um, uh, and then there's parts of it that are completely, totally ridiculous. So like, yeah. for me, it's a much less even movie than Sneakers, where Sneakers is actually yeah. pretty technically accurate. If you look behind the scientist, it's the finite field sieve uh, on the, the whiteboard uh, behind him. Like it's, you know, it, it's actually pretty good from a tech perspective. War Games, you know, not so much. It's more of a fantasy um, where Sneakers is like, it's incredibly uneven and, and, mm. and it kind of takes you out of it. Um, but I also, you know, do enjoy it. I saw it then, had it on VHS and um, it is shown every year. You know, I've, I've gone to DEF CON since I was like 18, 19 on and off. And it's wow. the kind of thing that gets played yeah. at DEF CON and at, you know, summer con and different kind of conferences all the time. And then people are just laughing and it, it's almost like, um, uh, Rocky Horror. Rocky yeah. Horror, yeah. Right. Yeah. Where people are acting out, they'll they'll dress of up. It's, it's become like a, a real camp. Nice. I think I think this is a good I like these three movies, talking about them together. And and the creators of the movie certainly were aware of war games and like at sort of we're considering how to position against that. Sneakers is definitely the best of those movies. Like it is a great movie in and of itself. The test that I think this movie stands up to is what we talked about with Rounders, which again is a <clears throat> a better movie than this, but it's a movie that has dramatically influenced the culture of the thing that the movie is about. Mm. And, and, and and this movie was not successful at the time, but as you said, not only was it, not only is it shown at DEF CON, but like the website for the movie at the time of its release was hacked. Uh, it was defaced and an ad for DEF CON was put up for it at that time. So yeah. it has this like long real history with, actual hacker culture and, and then moreover just like which i'm not a part of but moreover just general internet culture because right. it is this seed of the pre-commercialized internet the pre-mega corporate internet where like the idea was just what can you do with this like well, there's information out there how can you get at it you know the tagline is you know curiosity is not a crime or their only crime was curiosity or whatever right. like mm. it, it's it's the idea that like they're that you know, it's the idea that there was something new and novel happening that you could you could be a part of, and that has proved to be durable, yes. um, even as as part of internet culture. Even though the culture itself has obviously not continued to reflect those values. Well, it, and it pulls from legitimate touchstones of hacker culture, right? Like in, yeah. in the middle of it, there's a long quote from an FBI agent where real yeah. reads from the real hacker manifesto, um, <laughs> which back when I was that age, I mean, so my history here is I, I got a 300 baud modem when I was like eight or nine um, and then did lots of things, you know, BBSs and did a lot of things that weren't totally What kind legal, of computer were you on at that point? It was a what Commodore was it? 64. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, started with the Commodore 64 and then moved up to a couple different PCs and stuff and did a lot of things that for which the... Uh, statute of limitations has has, has run out. <laughs> and I, yeah. I no longer have to mention them on my SF eighty six. And so, uh, you know, and was part of like a twenty six hundred club uh, in Sacramento where I grew up. Uh, so like that's the local clubs. And then started going to DefCon uh, when I was eighteen. Uh, my dad had to rent the hotel room because you know you, you can't get mm -hmm. hotel room if you're twenty one, which is really cool. I mean, it was really cool of my dad to like be like, oh, you, all you right, these nerdy you're gonna friends. go to this weird yeah, ass place, uh, right? You could go, you can go to this crazy conference. I'm gonna go play blackjack with my brother. Is what he did, <laughs> my uncle. Um, and uh, you know, uh, and it does. You're right. It it does capture something about the the internet and online culture was like so open, like there's so much possibility. And the idea that it would be, you know, like in the hacker manifesto um, and the things that Gilmore wrote and stuff, uh, 
the idea that the yeah. cyberspace is going to be something totally different, detached from the mm -hmm. reality of the world. Um, and unfortunately, my entire career since then has been dealing and putting my hands in the muck of the actual what crap of, of normal people, yeah. of, of yeah. real horrible people using the internet, right? Yeah. But like at the time, it felt wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 95, I mean, I remember that was such a turning point, right? Like I, I remember going and buying, you know, I was working at an ISP, uh, doing dial-up tech support, and we were selling NetManage Chameleon, which you could either yeah. get that or you oh, could yeah. somehow get Trumpet Windsock, and that yeah. was the only way to get on the internet, but people yes. didn't know what to do if they were on the internet. And then Windows 95 came out with a built-in TCP IP stack, and it was like off to the races. Quake was like the first uh, you know, like perfect use case of running servers and starting to figure that stuff out, but also the web you know, just exploded. And the speed... I remember Flash, you know, coming out and they're like, there's a logo can spin around in 3D. It's it's yeah. really, it takes a minute to load, but then when it gets there, it's amazing. Um, so it's yeah, just but like the, the, the key, the key point is like prior to 86, there wasn't even a law against like this stuff that they were doing. Like there wasn't, it wasn't even illegal to like access these systems and the systems that they were accessing weren't even password protected in most cases. It was just like, you had to find out the phone number and then you would just dial in. And so there was this era of like exploration and discovery that was that was like a early part of internet culture that's never been really been lost, but has morphed into something else. Hmm. Yeah, I, well, it was a really innocent time, right? Yeah. In that if you look at it and, you know, a good thing about this, this movie is it's one of the only movies that touches upon a real historical set of events in the late eighties and early nineties, what you're talking about, Jason, specifically the war against the, the LOD and mod LOD and MOD, yeah. um, mm. right? These different hacker groups, um, that, uh, the U S government, especially the U S secret service massively overreacted to these mm. hacker groups. And a bunch of the quotes in there from the FBI, from the secret service agents are effectively real quotes from real secret service agents of hackers are this dangerous future and yada Terrorists yada. So and, I've, yeah. I've ended up working with multiple people from these groups who are now middle-aged dads, mostly. Um, ah. And that like the, the, this incredibly dangerous group the you know, the, the masters of, uh, of deception uh, in New York were all a bunch of like, Upper yeah. West Side Jewish kids who went who'd bar mitzvah <laughs> together, right? Like, <laughs> and, and now they're like, you know, several of the guys I know who are unindicted. Nobody ever figured out they're part of mod. Um, they've kept it quiet. Um, and now it's just kind of cool to talk quietly with your friends, right? But at the time, the government was really rounding up teenagers for doing really innocent stuff, right? Like, yeah. what were we doing at the time? We were stealing long distance calls because, like, even even locally calling into BBSs cost your parents a fortune. Right. And so you're you're stealing long distance and you're screwing with, uh, you know, at the time, Nine X and Pac Bell, yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, switches. And, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of situations where people actually stole a little bit of money, but for the most part, it was just innocent screwing around and this right. massive reaction. Now, if you're 17 years old and you have that skill and you live in Russia, you are part of a straight up mafia, you know, right. taking down hospitals, encrypting hard drives, moving yeah. millions of dollars of Bitcoin around, and then, you know, either having a heart attack from all the Coke you're doing or getting whacked when you thrown out a uh, window yeah, yeah. like it's just so much more serious now yeah and yeah. so it, it does it is an interesting capture of like because guys like i'm the phone freak i'm the, the the freakers you know the the enemy of 9x and you're like oh that's so cute yeah to the, the the teenagers who took down colonial pipeline right? yeah exactly yeah 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 it's <laughs> yeah exactly uh, all right. Well, so let's go ahead and get into this movie and we'll start talking. To, and Alex, I want you to, you know, drop in all the knowledge as we as we get through here um, uh, for pieces that are there. So first of all, obviously, um, Rafael Moreau, who's the writer, had 
very big aspirations for the script and, you know, was doing a lot of research on it. The cast spent three weeks together learning how to type and how to rollerblade. That tells you about the time, right? The moment is like that you had to teach like a 20 year old to type, right? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that tells you something about the 90s. Yeah, that's right. But remember, Mavis Beacon. Mavis, of course. Yeah, and oh. and we had typing classes. And now if you're eight and you can't type yeah. like a secretary from the 60s, uh, then you're totally left behind. Yes, yeah. you dusted. Um, so we did have the actual, some of the actual hackers they worked with, Tristan Lewis, Kevin Mitnick, obviously, and Nicholas yeah. Jarecki. Apparently, Quentin Tarantino was considered for the role of the plague. That would have been chill. Wow. That, that would have been interesting. Yeah. That was that time when they were like, let's put Quentin in some movies. Uh, yeah. See what happens. He had that whole thing about Top Gun. That was funny. Maybe yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. Exactly. That was great. Um, there is no CG for any of the sequences in cyberspace. Right. It's like it they it looks like glass that you're flying through with like a controlled yeah. camera. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which I thought and was. Then really- they're like doing manual rotoscoping probably and like just painting the frames for the. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Totally. Uh, the last piece of behind the scenes I'll call out right after the for- the filming ended, Johnny Lee Miller and Angelie married and are still married today. Apparently. So they cast Johnny Lee. They cast Johnny Lee. And uh, then they were doing like compatibility tests for the for the woman. And there's lots uh-huh. of like apparently like pretty big names like up for that part. And they did the screen test with Angelie and Jolie. And it was just this unbelievable chemistry. And like, so no one was surprised that they ended up a couple. Like it was just like, oh. Are, are there a lot of actors who are incompatible with, yeah. have no chemistry <laughs> with Angelina Jolie? Is that, uh, I'd probably be scared. Is that a I'm problem? An actor. <laughs> Does that happen a lot? People are like, oh, you and Angelina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His accent kind of drives me nuts in this, right? Like it's, it's a definitely, little tough. it's, a little, it's tough. a little tough and you can definitely see like the scenes, it comes in and out of like yeah. the order in which they filmed it. Cause he got, must've gotten better and better. Um, There's parts where he almost sounds like bad. Ferris Bueller. Like he, he almost has like sort of whatever, whatever thing that Broderick is doing in that movie, like where it's a little, it's like this flat Midwest accent that like, yeah. is kind of like, cause Broderick isn't doing like his like more whatever accent, like he's doing this very flat accent. And like it's kind of what he's doing half the time in this movie, but not hundred percent. Let's see. Let's listen. Let's listen for a second. Well, it looks like I'm on top. It looks like I'm on top. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very yeah. strange. It's weird. I mean, obviously, Johnny Lee Miller will forever for me be Sick Boy. Um, yeah. Train Spotting, right. which is a movie I would like to do very much um, on this podcast. Yeah. All right. So we start out in 1988 with a SWAT team on Main Street, USA. I think it's the same SWAT team that raided the Griswolds in Christmas Vacation. It's the exact same. <laughs> They're available. It's, it's like one of those. I mean, there's a couple of those 90s moments, like they show the Twin Towers and you know the sad yeah. like site. But the SWAT team, it's like not a single piece of body armor. These guys are just like right, coveralls right, right. and baseball caps. Yeah. And that's supposed to be a SWAT team where like now a street cop looks like the Terminator. Right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. um, it was it almost took me out of it a little bit of like, was that what SWAT teams really look like? Just like it, dudes. It yeah. doesn't exactly presage swatting because it's not as though they, this was like like it was falsely called in on him. They were trying to raid his house. But right. like it, 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 I did think about that. I was like, oh, like in later times, like people would definitely have a SWAT team show up when they're just sitting at their computer. Um, either for doing something wrong or just live streaming on Twitch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. So he's, you know, put on trial and gets probation for seven years. He's a little kid. That That's a fun little bit of like not showing him and, and seeing that he's the kid or whatever. Um, but then we jump forward seven years and then fly. It's definitely called to the Morris worm. Although Robert Morris Jr. Yeah. Was in 
college when he did this. So a worm like that actually existed on the early internet, uh, but he was in grad school when he did it. And, and what did going it do? How did, how did it take down the systems? Uh, so very early internet, he wrote this thing called the Morris worm is the first big worm. Uh, it was really advanced at the time because it actually targeted multiple different platforms. Mm. So I think both Deck and SunOS, mm -mm. Um, a bunch of different vulnerabilities. Robert Morris Sr., his father, guess where Robert Morris Sr. worked and for his entire career? NSA? NSA. Yes. Yeah, I actually met Robert Morris Sr. and got some drinks with him. He used to come to DEF CON all the time. Wow. That's been awkward for him. Uh, Must have been yeah, awkward Junior's for him now after. A, a professor. Yeah, sorry. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, just the Christmas, the NSA Christmas party. He's like, so how's the kid? Well, <laughs> well he's in jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that is wild. Uh, so him flying into New York City, the city turns into a grid. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like future times. But Jason, Halcyon and on and on by Orbital. Yes, I, it was an amazing song. Uh, this was the recessional song at my wedding. So like wow. we, after we had after we had done our vows, this, <laughs> was the, this is the wow. first song I heard after we were married. Um, that's how important this song is to me. Holy, what was the what was the processional? Uh, the song from Spirited Away. The uh once wow all yeah. right and i thought i was a nerd for using a star trek song yeah in my well, you first are first wedding <laughs> you, you are that's a, that's not dispositive <laughs> that's not that's not, not disproven <laughs> i definitely had this song as a 128 kilobit mp3 downloaded yes. off a of scour oh yeah. pre-napster for sure yes mm, amazing so uh so he zero cool changes his name to crash override uh you know new new hacker name and then he's hacking this tv network notice that they're replacing a right wing show yes. called america first yes Very less funny now it yes yeah. it's, it's less <laughs> funny but again it presages the maga versus anonymous yeah. battles of the last seven years absolutely so and then we get into a hack off with acid burn uh as the prodigy plays Yes. Prodigy big in this soundtrack. So where yes. where does where does the Prodigy live on your on, on your overall kind of um, rankings? I'll be honest, the Prodigy the the it's not my favorite. Like they're not they're not in my wheelhouse. I think the soundtrack though is very strong. And like we have to remember Really strong. This movie comes out a year before Train Spotting, which right. is widely and rightfully heralded as an amazing soundtrack. But this movie has the orbital. It has Underworld, which also features very prominently on yeah. the Spinning soundtrack. Left like field. this movie has like a lot of the '90s techno that Train Spotting also made famous, um, but was doing it a year before. So I think credit has to go where credit's due. For sure, I, I definitely give credit uh, the soundtrack, and people will be hearing it through the course of this episode. Um, the score, the the soundtrack, uh, and the music that's that is dropped in. More so for me than the actual, we'll talk about the score um, when we get towards the end of the movie, but uh, just the, the the bands that are dropped in here are pretty amazing. I also love the intercut of like the old footage and stuff from the old TV shows. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, as part of the hack off. That was pretty cool. And uh, also this this TV station hack also has like, it, it's all done as like a social engineering hack. Like he calls up some dumb security guard right, and is like, tell right, me yeah. the numbers on the modem, uh, which is like, you know, like I think that's like a really important detail because like a big like nowadays especially like a big 
big swath of these hacks are just like you convince like some agent to do the wrong thing because like you get them, you know, you convince them that you are you you're someone that you shouldn't be. I mean, so we had for years we had Apple as a customer when I was at Symantec, and and they would routinely have like the admins of Steve Jobs and all the senior uh, VPs would be directly targeted by name. And they would yeah. have specific exploits that had never been used anywhere else other than just for them uh, to try and get them to, to make a mistake. Um, something the DNC, uh, you know, in 2016 did not do a good job of, uh, of keeping an eye on. <laughs> I mean, whom's among us? Have, have <laughs> not, have uh, mess with the best, die like the rest. Great tagline. Uh, but then one of the, I think there's four or five great quotes here who have, yeah. that have lived on. Yeah, yes. that's definitely one of the ones. Yeah, yeah really good. Um, so he does get uh, waxed by uh, by acid burn. And so now he is the new kid at school. We have the introduction of Angelina as Kate, and she is magnetic uh, from the opening, just like just radiating star power. Was this her first big? Was this her big breakout? I think so. It's very early, but I think this was her first. I think this was, this was her first big role. She'd had a handful of things. But mostly, like, she did some meatloaf videos. I guess, no, that was all videos before this in shorts. So this is her first feature. Yeah, this like, is her first This is her first feature. Just exploded. Gia, Tomb Raider, Sky Captain, and the World of Tomorrow. Mm, who could forget? Jesus. Uh, and Maleficent. <laughs> That's an amazing summary of Angelina Jolie's career. <laughs> That's rough, man. That's tough. Sorry. And I mean, Maleficent. Salt was in there, too, but... Um, I love the, again, the little uh, fast clip montages that they have, um, and then him starting to connect with people, including the freak, and then heading to the hacker party. Yeah. Looks great. Yeah. Which this is, I think, one of the things they captured reasonably well. Obviously, it's very Hollywood-ish, but Mm -hmm. this is if, you know, when DEF CON was at the Alexis Park, if you went to one of the suites, so, you know, the big, the CDCs uh, and the loft and uh, those kinds of folks would get suites at the Alexis Park. This mm. is the aesthetic they were going for, right? So you'd have, mm. you know, video games in the corner, projectors on the wall. Black light. Black light, yeah. It's definitely not, uh, I, I, I definitely invited some uh, drinks in, in rooms that looked a lot like this uh, in that kind of era. That's so <laughs> awesome. Um, and again, rollerblades, uh, you know, are the future. Rollerblades, yes. So, so Jason, how would you do how would you do on rollerblades? Jason? I'm not. It's not. That's. Not, I'm not good on any. Like. I'm not good on any wheeled conveyance. Essentially. <laughs> but like, the 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 rollerblade versus skateboard dichotomy is very interesting. Yeah. It's like rollerblades good, skateboards bad. Is like the Manichaean divide of this movie. Which I think ultimately is wrong. Uh, but probably in, is in 1995, wrong. I could see how it would track that way. Yeah, it's probably wrong. Can we talk about the outfits? Because I feel like yes. So he, you know, he's he starts in high school with a camo vest with a ton of pockets. It was like very <laughs> practical. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that you know she's wearing in this scene a pager on her wrist, right? Yeah. So she has a yeah. pager as a watch. So it's like yes. the Apple Watch of 1995. Oh my god! <laughs> the outfits yeah. are awesome. The director had this quote. He said, "I want the cast not to dress the way that high school students dress today. I want them to dress however we predict they'd be dressing 15 seconds into the future." I love mm. that. Yeah. There is right. a little bit of Back to the Future part, you know, yeah, uh, part two in it, right? Like <laughs> yes. of that kind of feel. It's not not quite the Nikes, uh, Nike Mag itself, but it's, yeah. it's on the direction. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he rolls in there. Uh, she is Kate is playing Wipeout um, on the big screen while Cowgirl Underworld plays. Such a good uh, song. Awesome song. Um, and so 
we kind of blend from this into the next one. And I just love the hacker books. You got the Crayola books, Technicolor Rainbow, green one. Devil book, Unix Bible. What's that? Dragon book, compiler design. Yeah. The red book, NSA trusted networks. Otherwise known as the ugly red book that won't fit on a shelf. The compiler book. I actually had that in a class at Cal, my compiler class, wow. the dragon book. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all real books. I mean, the orange book, it, they're making believe like that the orange book and stuff is classified. No, it is about mandatory access control and DOD systems, but it's, it's unclassed, but yes, they're all actually real books. I, I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Like the movie is showing off repeatedly. There's a variety of ways in which the movie's showing off that it's actually well-researched. Um, and I think that's, I think that's cool. Like, obviously like the inside the computer stuff is fantastical. And like some of the stuff they do is like, you know, like there's no reason for them to be on the top of the empire state building or whatever. Like there's, there's all kinds of stuff that doesn't need to happen. Not, not the way computers work, but there's a lingo and a terminology there that is real. For sure. And it reads really real. I think yeah. in that, and when I can understand the accent, um, you know, it, it reads really <laughs> well. We also have the introduction here. He's sort of been a rolling start here of Matthew Lillard as serial uh, slash serial killer. So Scream, Scooby-Doo, SLC Punk, which actually I don't think I've ever seen. That's oh, that's one. a great film. That's the one to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yes. I still quote that to my kids. Nice. It's so good. SLC Punk is really is really a movie. Then I it's a good movie. I if also, you like Train Spotting, it's kind yeah. of like the yeah. Mormon version of Train Spotting. It's the Mormon Train Spotting. <laughs> yeah. And then apparently he was also, I, I've completely forgotten, he was in like four episodes of Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Have you watched that, Alex? I haven't. No. Um, yeah, it's on my list. Unreal show. Um, and it spans kind of from like 1982 to 1995. Um, so it's really cool uh, to cover that era and very much on that. Um, there's a lot of talk about Gibson's, so we might as well get it out of the way. Obviously, everyone was obsessed with William Gibson, you know, when we yeah. were just waiting for when things were going to come together. It was only, I think, two years later that, uh, you know, Johnny Mnemonic uh, rolled out. But I don't know. I found it. I found myself looking back at this like a little frustrated. Like, I get it. I see what you're doing. Penn's, Penn Gillette's character's name's Hal. Um, it just felt this a little fun. Why do you, it's why, a little, do you it's so easy. why do you hate our people? Why do you know. why do you hate our culture? I don't know. It's it's a very like the Gibson is supposed to be the cray, right? Yeah, right. It, yeah. it was like it, it there really was like a 90s hacker culture, the idea of I, I want to hack to get access to actual computing resources. Mm. Now anybody with a credit card uh can yeah. get uh, more compute than the entire planet had in the 1980s, uh, right. renting from AWS for 50 bucks or whatever. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time, it was like a, kind of a big deal to hack into places that then you could actually run compute jobs somewhere. And so hacking into a Cray was the big thing. Almost never happened because Crays were almost never actually attached to a modem or the internet. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the, clearly they couldn't use Cray. Uh, and so they right. had to come up with another kind of generic name and Gibson's a reasonable one. Well, How I is it though that it's, it's I 2023 and we still don't have a good Neuromancer? Right. Like yes. that's it just got announced. It just got announced a couple weeks ago. Uh, we don't know if it's good though. We yeah. don't know. But it, uh who is it? It's uh it it's I think it's Amazon. Is it Miles Teller? Oh, that sounds right. He's a good tweeter, that William Gibson. That was a, that was a real delight when he came to Twitter and ended up being really good at it. 
He's been on Twitter since March 2009. I can't find it. If somebody in the Discord could find it, that would be amazing. I do want to just give a quick uh, aside on the Cray. Um, so I, when I was at Minnesota Regional Networks, uh, which we had 90% of the traffic in Minnesota in 95, with three T3s coming in. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> we were like MCI, UUNet, and I forget who else. Sprint, I think. They were like hot shit. UUNet especially, hot shit networks. But um, we had Cray as one of our customers and I got to go tour, uh, you know, the supercomputer center. And it was incredible with like the, the hot water, you know, coming out and the red and the blue coming in or whatever. Like it was just, it was very cool. Looked I got like to work future. at Lawrence Berkeley labs in the summer. Uh, we had the supercomputer center up there. Uh, that was my summer job at Cal. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, the supercomputers used to be a really cool thing. Now, now they're just racks yes. and racks of off right. the shelf stuff, right. yeah, but they used course. to have, I mean, Cray had flair, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still a dream of mine to have to buy like a Cray one and use it as a, as a couch yeah. and an office yeah. Uh, yeah. sneaker style. Sneakers, right? Yeah, exactly. We had a Cray, we had a Cray at the Princeton Astro department and like, it was, mm-hmm. it was very cool. But like, and you could like sit outside the operating room and use it, but it was like negative 20 degrees in there or whatever. So it was like, you couldn't really like, you couldn't hang. really hang out with it very comfortably. Yeah. Um, we also have one other, uh, the, the other hacker is Joey, who is the little smoking punk played by Jesse Bradford from Bring It On. Oh yeah, that's right. He's great. He's like Where the hell I recognize this, this kid. He's like 15 in this movie. Yes. And he He's was also good. in West Wing. Actually, I think he does a great job in here. Yeah. So Who's he, he in West Wing? I don't remember. All right. I think yeah, he's the intern. Oh, yeah. He's the shitty intern. What yeah. season is that? I can't late, remember. Late, seven or six. One of the very later ones. I only, I mean, I only finished it, went through it one time, although it was pretty awesome, dude. When, when Leo was to Josh and he's like, it's your turn now. You're the guy now. Uh, it's just like the passing of the torch was. Has know. Obama ever said that to you, Jason? You said, <laughs> he's he's never, he's never made me deputy <laughs> chief of staff. So no, <laughs> he's never Madonna hasn't, uh, hasn't come by. Um, <laughs> so now we have, you know, his hack of the Gibson, um, you know, causes the wake up of Eugene, uh, the plague. Don't call me that. Call me the plague. Yes, Mr. The plague. Um, <laughs> and then we have the most iconic line of the film. Never fear. I is here. <laughs> I is here. That's rough. He's pretty good. I like Fisher in this movie. He's, it's definitely better than the brown face he does in short circuit. Uh, Ooh. Yes, that's a tough one because that should be a movie we would do, right? Yeah, but unfortunately, it is just that. I think just that makes it. it, We can't. We'd be talking about it the whole movie. Yeah, Uh, this character I find fascinating because one, it does presage something, which is true, which is hackers going in and taking corporate jobs. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So this is pretty early in that cycle. Yeah, for that, Uh, you know, I I was I got to see a lot of that early cycle in the early two thousands when I was one of those. Uh, hacker kids who went to Microsoft and spent a bunch of time, and that was mm. you know, considered avant garde at the time. So I do think that was cool. It's just so funny for me because I keep on now. You have all this pop culture where the chief information security officer of a big company is the big evil guy, right? Um, right. Like this in Mister Robot. So yep. it's always fun yeah. to be like, oh, it, cool. It's it's me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm. And Fisher Stevens also Megan. He was in Friends. So passes the Megan test. Uh, she would recognize. Oh, good. Yeah. Megan, our editor, who knows everything about America only from episodes of Friends. <laughs> and then um, French Dispatch, Hail Caesar. And he is freaking awesome on Succession as the PR guy. He is really good as the PR guy. 
Um, so he has nailed it career-wise, I think. You know, he's really found some auteurs and and got some yep. connected on some good stuff. Who has the strongest career coming out of this? Right. Jolie was the most famous, but as you talked about, like who would you say had the best act actual acting career coming out of this? Jeez. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, maybe Wendell Pierce, right? Like Yeah, I mean oh the bunk. You gotta you gotta give a lot of points in the bunk. We'll get uh, we'll get there sure. in just a minute. Fisher's also a director, in addition to being a uh in, in addition in addition to being a an actor. So He's a uh, he's got a lot of talents going yeah, on. Yeah, I think I think Fisher, you could definitely make that case. He's come out as the strongest from an acting perspective. But uh, Angelita, obviously the biggest the biggest star. I still haven't seen Train Spotting too, so I got to circle back and and watch that. Fisher Fisher directed uh, Before the Flood, uh, which is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, environmentalism movie that oh, came cool. out in 2016. Sweet. That was uh, screened at South by South Lawn. Hey. Uh, the uh, film and technology festival uh, that we threw on the South Lawn in 2016. Yes. So that my wife was invited to, but I was not invited to. She told me there was no plus one. That's that's correct. <laughs> you were, I specifically did not invite you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, so Joey steals the disc. He's got to hide that. And now we cut over to Nikon's place. So we see Detective Bunk um, on hackers being terrorists. Um, so I guess my... My question was like, who knew he could do such comedy stuff? He's, yeah, he's pretty funny in this movie. He is funny. What's the history? Like, why of all of our federal agencies would the United States Secret Service have jurisdiction over this? This is like such a stupid thing for them to be working on. They're like to this day poorly equipped to deal with this. Like, it's a really bad match for their mandate. I know yeah, that they I, have the tre I know the Treasury historical relationship and like right. they did counterfeit and stuff like that. That's fine. But like all of these crimes were like wire fraud. Like you know, like these were these were like Wait, different but wire kinds of fraud. It, I think that's the hook here is yeah. in their treasury position, uh yeah. they have primary jurisdiction on certain regulated industries. So I have worked a number of, of cases where the Secret Service is the has primary jurisdiction, mostly with like registered brokerages or Jesus. banks where there turns out to be an ACH transfer or a wire transfer. Hmm. Um you'll end up with Secret Service. They, they are it is interesting I, I mean there's a lot of great secret service agents but they're definitely less well equipped um than the fbi in this space Terrible. Uh, and lots of this yeah there's i mean we, we could do an entire podcast <laughs> That's on, about uh, cyber the cyber responsibilities of the united states government yeah. right right but there, there definitely is like uh, a rivalry there uh that is unfortunate yeah uh, but but nice people actually so, i mean if, if we're doing anecdote time i had a fun time where i uh got to do uh, instant response for uh a bank in uh, Montana mm -hmm. in the middle of the winter hmm. and um, you know, uh, can't fly in because Alaska Airlines says it's too cold. There's a storm. Um, and so the, the, the bank's like, well, that's fine. We'll just send the plane. You'll fly to Seattle. We're, we'll send the private plane. Right. And I'm like, right. wait, huh? Alaska Airlines, right. who says, you know, they have an Eskimo on their tail. This is right. in Southwest. <laughs> right. And they're saying it's too cold. Right. <laughs> and so obviously I survive, but I get there and I end up talking to the Secret Service agents and they're like, oh, it's too dangerous. We can't send our team in from Seattle, no, our cyber exactly. team. Of course. And so I end up working with the Secret Service, the only Secret Service agent in Great Falls, Montana, who I'm worked sure out of the Sheriff's awesome. Department. I'm sure it was awesome. And this awesome. guy was like, so, he was super cool guy and super stoked because his job was like kicking in the doors of yes, meth labs yeah. and finding, you know, $20 bills come out of an inkjet. Right. Huh. Um, or every once in a while, Dick Cheney would go uh, fishing. Shoot somebody. Uh, and yeah. so he'd have to go like stand a post while Dick Cheney goes and pulls some trout out. So he was super bored. <laughs> yeah. And so like a hacking, an actual hack uh, where money had been stolen. He was super excited. Yeah, this is great. I love this. <laughs> 
But like again, like Secret Service, like they're supposed to do everything, right? Like this guy's supposed to be able to do all the, you know, right. identify every kind of fake currency, uh, stand for fourteen hours on a loading dock, uh, yeah. and protect the president without falling asleep, and then also be a hacking expert. It is, uh, I, yeah, it's too much. Too we much. got hacked at Twitter uh, in two thousand nine. Uh, it was like an admin account that got hacked, and it was what led to the FTC consent decree. Uh, that leads <laughs> the first the, one. The first right. one. Sorry. Um, you're you're going to see some Facebook, Twitter, uh, Infosec yeah. uh, rivalry. Well, here. I mean, this was this was just bad. This is bad shit on our part. There's no not really much excuse. But I had to go like brief the San Francisco FBI field office on like what happened. Um, and it, they, similarly, they were stoked. They're like, yeah, we're going to fucking find some hackers. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, all right, well, the guy who did it, it's like in France. He's already like admitted on these like forums that he did it. And they're like, great. Like, we're going to go get him. And I was like, I don't know if you are. And they did. They went and they got yeah. that guy. So good wow. for them. Yeah. Oh. oh, so in that case, they got these guys because there's like three guys in Latvia. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they negotiated their payment. This is before Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. So like now it'd just be a cryptocurrency. Right. Be How'd they do it? Um, so they told these guys, like these guys were like, they wanted money transferred to Latvia. And at the time, you know, this is before EU succession and all that. Yeah, so yeah. it's like not a great time to do that. And they're like, oh, we, you know, it, for whatever reason, it's not working. Your money's waiting for you in a uh, Western uh, union in the Netherlands. And so these three guys like drive together, calling from pay phones on the way to like give them updates of like, just to make sure their money's really there. That's like, no, terrifying. we're really there. And then it's like the Dutch cops in the secret service are like, shit, you guys just, you really showed up? Like yeah. They walk in the door, ask for their money. Yeah. <laughs> it's all three of them because they didn't trust each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, so those guys Where's are- Where's the uh, fucking to, money, Lebowski? <laughs> <laughs> so secret service got their man yeah. in, in this case, yeah. Wow, yeah, good job. Up. Good job. <laughs> you showed up to the arrest party? Yeah, I kind of wish I I flown back to Amsterdam. Yeah, and they're sure. like, "You guys seriously? You seriously fell for that?" I'm yeah. the consultant. I need to make sure this is finished. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to build this. Yeah. Um. So we do have the introduction of Razor and Blade, uh, which are kind of like um. It was just an interesting kind of take of like this very flamboyant uh kind of view of these hackers. So this uh, is another point I wanted to make. Both Razor and Blade, and also um the Phantom Freak. This is a very queer movie for 1995. Like yeah. there is there is some definite gender fluidity in this movie that is not a thing at this in, in cinema. At like And they in, don't play it up as a joke. No, right? They're not no. making fun of these guys. And no. it's never yeah. really like it's never really like it's never like winked at or like it's just like this is who these people are. Uh, and there's no explanations made for it. There's really and there's really no acknowledgement uh, there needs to be made of it. Like there never has to be like a hallmark coming out for these characters. It's just like, no, like there's like there's people who are. Who are like have different expressions of who they are. And that's just like what this new world is going to be. That's pretty wild. Like that's a definite thing. We're pro for sure. I, I had a feeling like I want to ask um, Jonathan um, Tropper whether Job, uh, you know, who is a gay Asian, you know, kind of yeah. awesome hacker. Um, whether I that know. was influenced uh, by this, uh, by these characters. Yeah, he so, does. Yeah, yeah. Quite, quite cool. Um, so the the one thing I will push back on is the aggressive Jolt product placement. Um, so <laughs> like it, it, multiple times here, and then we'll get to some other uh, product placement that happens. But but quickly, Jason. So we go from there to Detective Bunk arresting Joey, um, and this is where he is giving the speech about how the hackers are terrorists. Mm -hmm. And Jason, it is the same footage that they were previously watching when they started watching Razor and Blade. 
Yeah. So was there a quantum tunnel through time? What are we meant to believe? Is it like we have people believe, you know, knowing other people are having dreams. Is there a deeper message here? Matt, come on. <laughs> I, right. I, I feel like this, this movie is of the same quality that like any continuity error okay. must yeah. be an like, obvious point. This is a John Carpenter okay. level laying out Listen. of a hundred pages of continuity. Things yeah. happen. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. Let's, let's in- analyze this like the thing, right? Mm. Like, oh my God, his outfit changed. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so we go to the Ellingson Mineral Corporation senior meeting um, and we have Eugene talking about the most commonly used passwords. Love, sex, secret, and God. Not accurate, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I noticed that because password's not on the list. Right, password's the number one password. Password's the number one password. Let me in, I think, is usually number two. Yeah, and sex and sex and God are too short. They, that's why they wouldn't even show up at this point. But in yeah. 95, people didn't even know what passwords were, right? Like, and password when would have always about, been number one. What's that? Password, I'm sure, was always number one. No, no. My point is that like audiences might not even be using any passwords at that point in 1995. A lot of people, or the notion sure. of a virus or a worm, or you know, uh, right? You boot your Windows 95. There's no password prompt, right? It's not a multi-user operating system. Right. You're not logging into anything remotely. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. That's true. Uh, just a different time. Um, there's also the plague has some aggressive Coca-Cola product placement that I noticed. So I'm just going to have some zoom modems. I don't know if you saw oh, like, those, the big yeah. logos, external zoom modems. I had one of those. I yeah. had one of those too. Who made that one? USM. Zoom. Okay. Z-O-O-M. Yeah. I remember before, that. Okay. Yeah, I, current zoom. I was those guys. And then uh, US robotics. US robotics. I was a US robotics man. So that was, me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, can we even talk to each <laughs> other? <laughs> 56K, you know, um, so I'm going to have to lay down and say the, the person who does not work in this movie f- for me at all is Lorraine Bracco. Like, I, I just felt like she was phoning it in and just like she might be a little lost in this movie. I think that's, right? that's OK. I'll be honest. It's like I feel like she's a little because she had done a bunch of stuff before this. Right. She was like Goodfellas was 89 and then okay, yeah. Sopranos was right. 99. So this is like Sir Al Guinness getting a call from yeah, exactly. you know, to do Star Wars, except Guinness has enough pride that he's going to do a really good job in anything. And she's like, oh, oh, you want me to be like a, she's got like a Jersey thing. I, it's the accent's bizarre. Yeah. Is it that much different than her Goodfellas role? I mean, the, not a role, but like her performance. Like, I don't know. It's yes, just kind of what definitely. she does. Definitely. Yeah. It's a very different from her yeah. performance in Goodfellas. I think it's kind of the same. I think they're on the same tier. I think but, overall this movie and Goodfellas are on the same tier as my favorite. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm I'm a big not mafia movie person. So like what? I would definitely rather watch this movie than Goodfellas. Let's move on. <laughs> Martin Scorsese says he felt the disturbance of the force, right? Good. There, yeah. Jason, for sure. You should yeah. feel it. Go watch a Marvel movie and relax, you old coot. All right, we're gonna keep going and we'll jump to uh the party at Kate's and just Connected by Stereo MCs. What a song. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, yeah, oh, that was great. It was just really great. music drop there. It's really great. I felt it. I was ready to go. I'm pretty sure I saw Stereo MCs at Golden Gate Park for the WOMAD concert in September of 93 with mm. Peter Gabriel. How'd that feel? Good. Take us back. Good. No, we don't need to go back. It's fine. It was, right. just a, it was a great. It was a great moment. Um, Kate's laptop has a 288 BPS modem. Display yeah. active matrix. A million psychedelic colors. Yeah. They're suddenly at a Best Buy. Right. Risk <laughs> architecture is going to change everything. Risk, Risk is, is good. good. Yeah. yeah. Risk is good. 
which that <laughs> is something like that I need to, I used to work for Dave Penn. Patterson, yeah. uh, like uh, that. Do Patterson and Hennessy know that their invention that reinvented yeah. all microchips yeah. wasn't used as a laugh line uh, in, in hackers? Yeah. The, this is risk is good. This is the thing. This is another one of the cultural things I think is important in this movie. This movie made uh, hacking and like computer nerds sexy, which was like not a thing that was like really culturally possible before. Right. Like you look at war games and like the two guys that he goes to visit to learn about the back door. They're just like unfuckable dorks, like who are living in right. this like university computer right. lab. This movie made computer hacking and computer hackers seem sexy and cool. And like this starts this interesting arc where from 95 until like 2015, for the next 20 years, the importance of computer people in the cultural consciousness ascends. And they become more important. They become more powerful. They become more rich. They become more of the center of culture and, and the economy. Mm. And like it ultimately becomes things like Elon to some extent. It becomes things like Steve Jobs, certainly. Um, it becomes these figures who become cultural fetish objects, it become people that are, are viewed not only as like successful, but like sexy and interesting, and compelling and culturally important. Right. And like that ends up becoming, in my view, uh, an Achilles heel to the tech industry as a whole because computer nerds were not meant to be the prom kings. And once we entered this world where the computer nerds who like, you know, didn't fit in or socially maladjusted or whatever, end up becoming the most powerful and important people in the world, all these weird like revenge fantasies started getting acted out. And like now we're sort of reaping some of the whirlwind of that full 20 year arc. Um, so I think it's, I think it's interesting that this is the first time that, the sexiness of computer nerds sort of gets put on screen. But what's what's going to happen next, right? Like, so the notion, like, I spent my career in tech thinking about tech being focused around creating new capabilities, making the world a better place, having a conscience and caring about it, and also making tons of money while doing it. Um, but the idea now that we're sort of being captured by disinformation, you know, people who are rife with disinformation and and payback um, and pettiness, like what what does that bode for the future of I tech? I don't think it's the misinformation part. I think it's just that post-capitalism makes fools of us all. And like that tech just sort of becomes like any other part of the American economy that's like, yeah, like, you know, at one point we thought banking was pretty sexy. Like, you know, we thought like there was a whole there's a whole thing about Wall Street. And like there's, you know, like that seemed like really, and you know, we still have that in billions or whatever. But it's like, you know, we all now kind of know it's just part of like the same machine. And there's less of like, it's just like this is now just part of everything else. It's not, it's not the standout thing. Well, we've we've made, I mean, Hollywood has made the switch. Yes. That now the nerds are the evil are the bad. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a a, a ton of of the you know the bad industrialist yeah. billionaire who's secret who's both a genius and secretly evil the deuce machina um yeah and also just like a lot of story i mean like also stories like the dropout and like you know we crash like like there's a lot of right. stories just being told on like actually i mean i feel like a lot of that started with the social network yeah was like the exactly first one where you know you just turn turn zuck into a villain yeah um listen i i've told this story before on the podcast but the day that the social network trailer with the uh radiohead, radiohead creep yeah. cover yeah. came yeah. out 
it was one of the wildest days in the Twitter office I've ever, I ever experienced because all work stopped. Like everyone just watched that shit like on repeat for the rest of the day. Like, Mark! I, I, to, like <laughs> I totally think that was like, I totally think that movie started the reversal of the trend. Oh my God. Aaron Sorkin, you genius. Yeah. Except and I know for H it's the social network is not as important a work of Aaron Sorkin's as Studio 60 live from the sunset. Strip, no, is, no, I think clear it's better. Than, I, I think it's better than Studio 60, but uh, I and I would love to cover it on the pod. For You're sure. standing. This isn't a social network coverage, but the problem with social network is it's a biography of a living person that is not factual. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That, that's your that's your problem. Oh, like, yeah. That's the Aaron Sorkin problem is that like he just does a line of coke and makes a bunch of stuff up that looks good on, on that never happened. Yeah, and yeah. Then write all these other people out. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, and that's I think like encapsulates the problem of this kind of traditional old media and tech fight hmm. is the anger the old media has at tech companies yeah. makes them worse, right? Like the New York Times is worse at journalism because of the things that they will do that that they will let things by because it seems anti-tech enough. Aaron Sorkin will will create a, a biography of somebody that is factually inaccurate in many, many, many important ways hmm. just because it plays well. Um, and I think like there's a, the, the, the swinging of, uh, this pendulum the other way mm. does not benefit anybody, right? Yeah. Because in the end, we're going to look back and be like, oh, it's not super ethical to like, you know, make movies about people who are actually alive uh, uh, and and just make make crap the, up. The, the social network thing, we could put aside because like you can only defend Aaron Sorkin so much, a man who once wrote, <laughs> you're standing in the Paris Opera House of sketch comedy for Studio 60. Like, we can only, <laughs> we, we can't, we can't spend too much time defending him. Um, but <laughs> or or every female character he's ever written. We can't. Is we can't defend. Other, like, we can't. We can't. We can't Jordan. defend him too. Much. I want to be the first one to tell you. <laughs> I want to be the first one to tell you that we killed Osama bin Laden for you tonight. No, we can't. We cannot. We cannot. Uh, we cannot defend that. That's great, Tom. But your brother's dying in Afghanistan. Yeah, we can't. We can't defend him too much. I will say. I have a different take on the media coverage of the tech industry, which is I think it is actually a healthy corrective for the media industry to take uh, an aggressive stance toward the tech industry because the tech industry is a power center in American culture and the economy. And I view the role of journalism as holding the powerful to account. Yeah. And so it's like politics and like industry, just now one of those sectors that deserves more scrutiny. I mean, I worked in the industry when the way in which coverage worked was like you call the reporter and you give them your talking points and they publish, you know, they, they write them up and they publish them. Like, it, like there needed to be some change in that dynamic. Oh, I totally agree. It needs to be a change. I think where it's problematic is when it makes the journalism incorrect. Right. Sure. And to the extent that like we were coming out of five, six years of effectively resistance journalism, where as long as it feels right, it gets published, mm. but it's actually factually incorrect. And and it just is hard for me because I'm on the other side of the Gelman, you know, effect here. Yeah. And that I read a bunch of things in newspapers that I was in the room and that's just wrong. Right. Um, and and this is actually hurting things because now with like the Twitter files and Taibi and stuff, the overreact the the tech company, or I'm sorry, the media's uh, amplification of of themes that turned out to be totally incorrect, and the fact that they would fit those facts to fit those themes is being called out as a demonstration of why Russia did nothing in 2016, um, and this is all invented, and that no nothing bad's ever happened, right? And I think it would be nice to end up in a place where you can hold power to account while also maintaining some of the 
you know, good journalism that you expected it. it. And for those of us in tech who know what really happened and then read about it incorrectly, it makes it hard to believe them on any other topic. Right. Um, mm. Anyway, I think we could just have a totally different podcast yeah, yeah. on this, but like coming out of like overcorrections on COVID and, and especially like, I, I feel like the Trump era was a bad era for establishment media of, of them feeling really important and that they had a really important job, which they did, mm. which then pushed a lot of establishment media folks into a place where the truth did not matter as much as the mission. Mm. But anyway, back to hackers, 1995. But in 1995, this wasn't a problem because, you know, there's like, you had four, you know, three TV stations and Fox <laughs> and CNN, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, so uh, let's see. So uh, so climbing back in here, we have, uh, we have the hack off. And so this is, uh, you know, uh, Kate versus uh, Day to see who can do the better job of hassling Bunk. Um, it's again, there's some good humor here from Bunk. It gets a little transphobic at moments, uh, which I don't like. Um, I do like the fact that he's trying to operate his AT&T Merlin system. Those were badass phone systems. I remember when those first showed up and, and those were really cool um, at the company that I worked at as an IT administrator. Um, there's no reason for the Empire State Building. That's pretty ridiculous. Um, uh, you, you skipped one of the great insult lines in this movie. Please. I hope you don't screw like you type yeah. is, uh, you know, during this montage, Yeah, it, which is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like took my breath away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got him. Uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, so uh, we have, you know, Freak's got the disc, uh, which he picks up from Joey. I do love it. Uh, the line. It's in that place where I put that thing that time. It's good. That's a good one. Uh, but Kate gets the disc. Crash override refuses to get it um, until... Um, the plague threatens his mom. So now we have, for me, I just, my notes in cap in my notebook just said, holy shit, when the plague is riding the skateboard to grab the disc, it's in, like, that's insane. Yeah, man, that's how it works. That's what, that's what you have to do. You have to pull ride along a car being pulled on your skateboard. And, a limo. And pick up a floppy. <laughs> it's like a white stretch limo. I was like, is there a couple going to junior prom in that sucker? Like, what's... Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, like, the steam in the night, Jason. It was, like, the three days of the condor at the end. I was just like, mm, that was not mm. good. That was not good for me. Um, now we have hacking the garbage file. So Crash Override comes to help. And we got this great montage. That scene's awesome. I love the the time lapse with him on the, on the computer and everyone moving around. Um, I think that's a lot of fun. And then, again, printing out computer code. Elon yeah. was right. Like you print out the assembly. You print out the code. You get your dot matrix going. <laughs> you print out all your shit. You take it to the 10th floor. You find out how it goes. So <laughs> so we have now the discovery of the worm, which is affecting the tankers. Uh, as the, the, the Da Vinci, which is attacking the, the, the it's tankers. It's called Da Vinci because Michelangelo was a real, was a real virus. Uh, yeah. Kind of real. It was real, and then the, was, the whole right. John McAfee made all his money yes. by making people terrified of. Yes, mm. that's a, that's another fun detail of this is that John McAfee always sucked, <laughs> yes. didn't always fuck whales, but like always sucked, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and like made all his money by making people terrified of this virus that like maybe maybe wasn't even a thing. Um, yeah, he's it always, was kind of a thing. It turns out there was a bug in the code uh, that kept it from triggering on most PCs. It called like a, a it, it yeah did like an integer cast incorrectly or something. Mm, mm. Well, but anyway, sorry, we don't need to talk about these uh, viruses, but yeah, yeah McAfee, John McAfee. So, uh, so I will call out. We have both tankers and 
um, stealing cents off dollars. So yeah, once Superman again, three's lineage is strong. It keeps going. It really is an under, again, a movie that is as important as the Godfather, <laughs> but office space did not like reference hackers. Like for them, it was Superman three. Yeah, that's right. I just, I was surprised by that. Um, so now we go to voodoo people by the prodigy. We've got them basically shutting down NYC. Not the best prodigy track. Uh, I was kind of surprised. But... No, I agree. I mean, I used it for the, for the synopsis music because it, it did feel like it was kind of like a key moment for the, for the movie. But, um, so now we have this huge attack, uh, you know, Margo, very confused okay, about what's going on. Hackers across the globe in Japanese, okay. Russian, Italian, the spinning phone book, uh, phone, uh, box yes, shots. Those are cool. Actually. I like those. Okay. I <laughs> think <laughs> it's an interesting directorial choice. This is where the, the technical side just goes off the rails, right? Like we're, they're just throwing out stuff that makes absolutely no sense. Yes. Uh, send a flu shot is one of the, uh, the long, yeah, 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 the rabbits. Yeah. Uh, so, so we also here have this long score section here. So Simon Boswell did the music. Uh, he also did Hardware, which probably we should do on the pod. And Shallow Grave, speaking of Danny Boyle. That's um, a good one. But like this long guitar solo as they're flying through the cyberspace, like it's it's pretty cheesy. It's definitely a far cry from the rest of the music that is in here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's true. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, the quote, it's root slash period workspace slash period garbage period alex can <laughs> yeah. you troubleshoot that is that good does that work uh is it backslash or forward slash that's your yeah it's a key yeah. point <laughs> this is a positive the compliant. last the uh, last Gibson. period is definitely not needed we can we can say that pretty definitively mm. um <laughs> i mean this, this idea of a garbage file is kind of correct i mean you have effectively garbage space on uh modern you know yeah so it, it's not this is not crazy, right? Of like collection of uh you know what we call the trash bin now of, of deleted stuff mm -hmm. that's uh, garbage collected uh lazily on traditional operating systems. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily if you're gonna have a super secret hacking code, not necessarily the best place to keep it in the garbage. Right. The whole like the garbage file tells you something about the worm or whatever is a little bit silly. Yeah. But yeah. uh but they do ultimately Joey gets the file, they go to bust them and they did a fake trace just like in Ocean's 11. Well, they, so they've got some good details here. It's only for a couple of seconds, but they have acoustic couplers, right? So they're, you know, they, it looks like they have acoustic couplers that are on there. It doesn't show how they're hooked up. Is it wireless or something? Which would be pretty cool for 1995. But they're elsewhere in the building bouncing it off of those couplers. Yeah. Cool. I like that. And then, of course, we have the famous line. Hike the planet! Hike the planet! <laughs> After the trash. You're After the trash. The trash. The trash. trash. Yeah, so the hack the planet, I have this button that was made by Whitney Merrill. Wow, cereal. Uh, the hack the planet guy, yeah. except what it says is crypto means cryptography. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I like that. That's hilarious. But yes, of that you fight do. has been lost. That fight, the crypto means cryptography fight has been lost. The other fight that's been lost is that cyber means cyber sex and not, you know, <laughs> cyber warfare. Um, right. The infosec cyber, right? Like, yeah, this used to be, we used to try to say, make infosec work. And right. then cyber was like an East Coast DC. The government was not having it. Like, mm -hmm. in like I was in a bunch of meetings in 2015 where like the nerds from Silicon Valley were like, can we just please stop saying this? And I was like, we're going to keep fucking saying cyber. And for reasons that no one can explain, except for the fact that it's technically more accurate, we're going to say fucking ISIL instead of ISIS. Like, these are our two things. Oh we know no God. one else is fucking <laughs> saying it, but we are fucking saying cyber and ISIL. 
Like you that. didn't tell me. Stop trying to make ISIL happy, yeah. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't tell me it, they were trying to do the ISIL challenge. I thought it was ISIL the ISIS challenge. challenge. Yeah, yeah, no, they exclusively referred to as ISIL <laughs> because technically the Levant. It's because they're big that. Archer fans yeah. and they didn't want to ruin it for Archer. Yeah. Right. So, so there is this, this movie does have this kind of weird pacing thing where you have this big climax of the movie, but then you have, uh, you know, Bunk's press conference where he says, Jason, hackers are a threat. This just proves we need additional funding. Yes. Yet That's again. Pitch. He's on message. He's ready to go, ready to testify before Congress, ready to go to appropriations tomorrow. That's right. So they bust uh, Mr. Babbage, uh, obviously early uh, mm-hmm. computer engineer, uh, mathematician name um, on the plane. Why did they let the plane take off? Why didn't they bust it? Like it's they're on strange. the plane. It's a little strange. That doesn't make any right. sense. Over international waters? Doesn't like, make any do, sense. Are they supposed to turn the plane around or is it landing wherever <laughs> yeah. non traditional country it's yeah. going to? You can do monkey knife fights. Yeah, no, it's a it's a that's a weird one. I liked his outfit though. I thought his disguise I, could I please have <laughs> like, a pillow? <laughs> right. I mean, his beard, he he looks like a kung fu master. Totally looks, right. Great. Like from a yeah, like the wispy beard it and the great. yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. And so we have their date now, finally, and they end up yes. in the pool on top of one of the, I, I can't remember which building it was, um, but like, that's wild. But they, the, 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 the thing that they were dreaming of each other and them kissing in the pool to heaven knows by squeeze. It's hot. The, sec, wait, the, the thing that you thought didn't work was like when she has the fantasy about him. Is that that was good. Okay. All right. All right. That I was thought good. you, I thought you poo pooed that. No, I just think that, that the, yeah, I don't know. It's what fine. are you against? The ending's weird. It, the acting is weird in the pool, and it makes me wonder if they're like freezing. Right. right? That, yes. Like, did they film this and it was 30 degrees outside? Yeah, and like, because it's also weird, like they're fully dressed in the pool. Yeah. Like, it, I was having like some safety flat. I'm like, really? He's wearing this bizarre kind of Matrix outfit? Is that safe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, at least it was before they had cell phones, right? Like they, they yeah. at least didn't have cell phones, so they could jump in the pool without it without it being a problem. Uh, and he lights he lights up the buildings. I think that's an MIT shout out because mm. that's something that MIT students do all the time. Oh, is nice. they, they light up. Uh, yeah, they they put bad words uh, on buildings uh, spelling. Is bad, it MIT so. where they played Tetris with the lights? They they said that, that happened. Yeah. yeah, that has happened as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anything we missed? Uh, the guy who did like the computer effects, like the towers, as like computers neon inside the the shots inside was yeah. john beard the guy who did brazil yeah uh, did the practice oh really yeah and k-pax oh. which mm-hmm. i never saw yeah um i also want to crazy that's a crazy shift in aesthetic from brazil to yeah this. but there's a lot of that like miniature work in brazil too like that like kind right. of vertical miniature work so it kind of makes sense. it kind of makes sense and i feel like that 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 was then kind of copied uh jurassic park picked up except with real cg yeah i guess that's true uh, you know it's kind of the same idea yeah I also want to give a shout out to the DP. I think the film like looks well uh, yeah. in terms of how it's shot. Andrej Sekula, he shot Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, then this, American Psycho, and Cube 2 Hypercube. That's wild. It I is feel wild. I should have kept getting gigs. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was a lunatic. I we shot Pulp Fiction Hypercube. would be my business. Do- like My business card would just be I shot Pulp Fiction. It's just your shirt. It's the DP on Pulp Fiction. We need to do Cube. We need to do the Cube. Cube I, month win. That's fine. I'll do it. Oof. Happy to do it. I've never seen either. Those movies mess me up. Yeah, they're wild. They're, it's like Saw, yeah. but like more math. Can, can we do that? Can we just do the next <laughs> it's generation? Like Saw. It's like Saw meets an SAT test. 
Right. I mean, it's it's like a nightmare, right? Yeah. Like, if you can't figure out this Comet and Torx yeah. problem, your face gets melted <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah. Didn't they do that on Next Generation, though? That Picard was in the jail cell with the uh, the aliens? I don't remember. Same deal. You don't remember. Okay. All right. I don't remember. I'll, I'll let it go. We'll have to ask. Uh, we'll have Chief Emoji Officer Derek, Next Generation resident expert. Alex, who would Tilda Swinton play? If you had to recast one role in this film with Tilda Swinton, who would it be? Uh, the cop, the Secret Service. Bunk, agent. yeah. Mm. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the plague. I hate to get rid of Fisher, my good friend yeah. Fisher. Oh, the plague. But, like, yeah, the that'd plague be strong be too. Yeah. Right. Because one of the things they're missing, like it's all the punk hacker, but they don't have the goth subtype. Right. Like, they they kind of ah. missed out on what the other, yeah. you know, yes, uh, other side answers. of 90s hacker culture. And yeah. so you could see her as like a goth queen. Wow. Yes. That would be good. Yes. Wow. Like death from. Uh, yes. From- <laughs> Amazing. Oh God. Yeah. Like total pale, all black, oh my God. Uh, you know, hair, but like, yeah, you know, not a, just, just have her like, you know, be not going to sunlight for six months. It'd be perfect. I'll be I love bunk. it. All right. We did it. You guys, how about if we do some letters real quick? Let's do it. All right. Here is the first, we just have uh, three voicemails. Here is the first voicemail. Hey, Bogpod. Um, just <laughs> yes! ringing in because Hackers is a pretty good, it was a good time. It's not a very good movie, but it was a good time. Um, you know, really reminds me of the time where apparently Stinky Men were having a bit of an attempted renaissance, you know. Yes. Big Lebowski and everything. You know, men who showered regularly were being, being called um, <clears throat> metrosexuals, I believe, like in Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't even have a question today. I'm just going to, I'm calling you all out. The 90s didn't happen. Or at least like half of the cultural stuff in this movie and all the other remnants of the 90s. I'm sorry. The fashion, everything Matthew Lillard is doing in this movie. You cannot tell me, look me straight in the eye and say that people actually dressed like this and looked like this and acted like this. Apex Twin, <laughs> id Software, you know, they all happen. They're all real, whatever. Y2K, maybe, who cares? But the fashion... And like the club where everyone's on like the slides and stuff and like the fake video game, people taking like gamer tags seriously, this cannot be real. Half of 90s culture, like in revisionist history, has to be a psyop. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know I've never experienced it, but I'm sure you all made it up as a gag to confuse people my age. Oh, we'll just convince people they all dressed like this and acted like this. It's crazy, guys. Come on. See ya. Alex, you were I there. Think, I think it's still on its way to Australia. I think it just hasn't reached your shores yet. It's mm. like, give it another few weeks. It <laughs> might get there. Uh, I mean, this is definitely the neon Hollywood version, but things like people taking their uh, their handles seriously. No, that's real, right? Like Stinky um, raves definitely happened with weird, with weird yeah. like appliances. <laughs> that, yeah. that 100% definitely happened. Stinky people definitely happened. I can guarantee that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the outfits are not that crazy yeah. uh, compared to what people would wear. Yeah. The, the I outfits, have a hyper-color shirt. The right? fashion is heightened, <laughs> I would say. Like, yeah. the fashion is like the the high school the high school wear is like rave wear or whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's heightened. Right. It's exaggerated. But, but like, it would be in the pages of Mondo 2000. Like, you'd see exactly. it. Exactly. Like, like, it's not impossible. It's definitely not right. impossible. I mean, you could definitely see these people in a spread in Wired, right? Like exactly. Of the 90s, exactly. Of the 90s Wired, which is all about yeah. hacker culture yeah. and online culture. And we're, you know, cyberspace is different. And, yeah, we're changing the world. Uh-huh. Um, so, listen. Yeah. No, I, survey says. Yeah, sorry, man. Sur- 97. Survey says. 97. <laughs> <laughs>
Sorry, Barnabas. The nineties happened. The nineties happened. Yeah. It was great. Remember, remember it was a huge scandal for the president to have an affair that that was like the worst possible thing that Ridiculous. could happen to our politics. Listen, yeah. didn't we, God, did, can we just go back to yeah. the nineties? Didn't you, Jason, <laughs> didn't you just experience some golden eye gen X er, uh, erasure? Like I think in our own discord. No, on, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Was, we won't so, stand for this. We won't stand. We'll, we remember the, we, we, we remember <laughs> with our creaky knees. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's hear from Kev. Hey, Dune pod Kev here. We are talking about one of the most anticipated first watches for me of the show so far, like overall, 1995 film Hackers. Okay, you'll never guess how we get to Kev's question here. Let's go. They use this font early in the movie. And (laughs) here's how kind of tone deaf Hollywood is sometimes. The font early in the film to signify the characters' names is the you wouldn't download a car font from that meme. From oh, those hilarious, yeah. like you'd put the Spider-Man DVD in and it would play like you wouldn't whatever. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. you wouldn't steal a car. Kev's question <laughs> yeah. is this. Have you guys ever been caught pirating anything online? For me, it was the uh, the Game of Thrones pilot. I got flagged right away, but it was my fault. I was sloppy. All right. Peace and love. Jason, I hope you're doing better, man. And I will talk to you guys very soon. Once again, it's Kev's questions. This is a timely question for Doom Pod. Yeah? Yeah. How there so? Be, because there might be some rights management issues that Doom Pod is. is oh, yeah, with. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. We got notified by Anchor uh, that we were like, uh, we had been flagged a couple of our episodes because of music clips that we had. I think what I learned is one, watch out for Adele, uh, yeah, and yeah. two, Zendaya. <laughs> So, like, if we have to, we'll pull some strings and get a hold of her and get a clearing. But it's all fair use. Alex, fair use, right? Adele does not screw around, man. When you talk about, like, cyber warfare powers, it is the People's Liberation Army, the GRU, and Adele yeah, that's it. will mess you yep. up online. Oh, God. Well, we were talking about the movie. We were talking about Skyfall. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the clips happened. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't think I ever pirated anything. Um, I was way too scared um, to to do that, so I can. No, I got. I definitely. I got notices from my ISP that was like, "We know, we know you're downloading this shit. <laughs> like, stop, stop doing that." Really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I've never got caught, but I mean, pirating video games on the Commodore sixty four is how I learned mm. uh, how to do it. How I, use a look, text editor I, and how to how to patch out uh, copy protection. I work, on Commodore Yeah, exactly. Games. I worked at a software store in the in the nineties, and like. We had a software checkout policy where you could like take the stuff home and like, you know, demo. So it. I think we, we had did. that. Yeah. We were at, we were at Egghead. Alex and I discussed this before we started recording. Where were you? I was at an independent software store in in uh, in St. Louis called Software Plus. We're okay, Discord okay. member and yeah, Egghead. Yeah, yeah. It was at Egghead Computer. I was flipping floppy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Industry. I installed like, which is a fascinating thing because I was like this. I was in high school and like the super nerd. And every other salesperson there had been like selling women's lingerie or car. I mean, like they were just like salespeople right. and knew nothing about computers. Right, right. And so I was effectively tech support for every single thing oh, that came yeah. in. It's like, let me get my 16 year old. I just remember like, o- like office would be on the shelf and it would be a huge box and it was like 600 bucks or 800 bucks or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, or Windows 95 was a hundred bucks. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, we'd have, I don't know for you guys, we'd have the disc, like the real one behind the counter. Cause it's like, mm, yeah, it was exactly. Well, like, yeah. and like Win 95 Chicago, as it was known yeah. before it came out, like you, you yeah. haven't lived until you installed Chicago on like 
30 floppies or whatever it came. <laughs> I mean, it was like literally like a billion floppies. It was like some ridiculous number. And you're just praying that one of them isn't bad. Yeah. But yeah. No. But then I they had the, you shit. had the Buddy Holly video at the end of it. So if you if you bought the uh, what was it? Windows Works or whatever or whatever the uh, the add on thing. Uh, oh, what, yes. That's whatever right. the hell that was. Weezer. All right. Here we go. Our final voicemail. Cool. <laughs> hey, this is Corey from Austin, Texas, calling about one of the greatest movies ever made yes! in the 1990s. Hackers. Yes. I did not see Hackers when it came out. I did not see Hackers until about, oh, I don't know, two years ago, maybe. What? And I fucking love this movie. This movie has got like everything that I want. We got like future fashions and counterculture haircuts. We got hacker handles. Like, what are those? What are their names? Like, they got all sorts of like, you know, hero cool. Crash override, acid burn, serial killer. <laughs> I don't even remember them all. Uh, like Darth Nikon or something. I don't know. Anyway, and but Darth. of course we can't forget Fisher Stevens as the bad guy, aka the plague, <laughs> which is of course who Tilda Swinton would play. I mean, yes, she could play many many characters here. Oh my god! But I have to pick the Fisher Stevens plague character just for all the cool shit that he does and imagine her smoking and rollerblading and baseball batting a fucking boom box just and and then cyber fighting oh god I love the special effects of this movie I love all that cyber shit you guys know I'm a total mark for all that lawnmower man type stuff it is so fucking cool and the one thought I kept having during all this was like you know is this the real origin story of Doompot? I thought it might have been Revenge of the Nerds, but it wasn't. And then I thought, oh, it's, it's real genius. That's the yeah. origin story for Doompot. But after revisiting Hackers, this is it, right? Yes. This is yes. the real origin story of H and Jason. Yes. I knew it. This is yes. fucking it. It's awesome. You guys, you fucking phone freakers, you <laughs> gymnastic camp computer hackers. <laughs> Working with the president, bad mofos. <laughs> you guys are the best. All right. I know this is going to be a great episode. All right. Talk to y'all next Oh, week. my God. Woo! I feel there's fewer, aside from hugging my family members, there's fewer dopamine rushes I experience Every week. in my life yeah. than when Corey and I are, like, perfectly aligned. Yeah. Like, it doesn't happen every week, but every fairly regularly... We both love the same movie. And I never know when it's going to be one that's exactly in the wheel, the Venn diagram intersection of our flavor centers. And when we have like the same pick for Tilda and like, we're just vibing. I just love that. You it got just, it. Just, it makes me feel it's going to be a great week. Nice. Um, and I appreciate that Corey's out there. Reminder to all Dune Pod listeners that the Corey's new zine, Scree, is available. New edition, new issue of Scree is available from thegrumpus.com. Uh, and you should order it. Yeah, and we got one final voicemail. Oh, how can I forget? Hack the planet! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, Nailed it. So we blessed. did it. We did it, you guys. Alex, what do you have to plug, buddy? 
so I've got a, a podcast with my colleague Evelyn Dueck uh, at Stanford yes. called Moderated Content. Nice. Uh, so uh, you know the kind of stuff you talked about. Like you said, I talked to Peter Kafka, and that was great. We do that every week. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, you know, th- this week we talked a lot about TikTok and Project Texas, and mm. uh, you know some some more about Modi and India uh, censorship and stuff. Oh like that. wow! So if you're into tech policy stuff, uh, Moderated Content. It's Fantastic. Cool. Uh, and then also Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So I. I uh, so I actually am mostly off Twitter. Uh, <laughs> thanks to uh, my Twitter, my Twitter is I, I got named in some of the Twitter files, uh, and so it's mostly like death threats and uh, you know uh, horrible crap. Um, they can't figure out like the funny thing is is nobody knows how to for somebody whose last name is Stamos Stamatopoulos. Yeah. They like I get really bad ethnic targeting, so I get a lot of anti-Semitic right. stuff, which is like in the neighborhood, <laughs> right. but like <laughs> not you know. Perfect. Like, the only people who really have like good slurs for Greeks are Turks and Italians. Right. Right? <laughs> right. So like eventually there will be like a Turkish MAGA person uh, right. who will send me a true insult. And then until then I have to put up with like, yeah. you know, really poorly, you know, targeted. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. poorly targeted <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm not on Twitter as much. I mean, twitter.com slash Alex Damos. I mostly, uh, I actually have uh, my own Mastodon instance, um, cybervillains.com. Yeah. It's called for free. Oh, nice. Um, Slash Alex. Uh, so we run that as a test instance uh, with my students awesome. uh, at Stanford. Awesome. Great. That's great. Terrific. We'll have links to, to all those things. Jason, what do you have to plug, bud? Uh, penicillin. Big <laughs> fan. Big fan of penicillin. Uh, and hoping it. Dude, strep throat's like no yeah. joke, right? Isn't that like what she dies of in Little Women? I right? think that's like, right. If you, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, the whole family has strep. Three quarters of the family have strep. And yeah, like the 48 hours of fever aches i don't really recommend either so excited to be on antibiotics as of this evening amoxicillin for the win yeah and that's it for this episode i want to thank jason and alex for an amazing conversation next week we're joined by the author of the big picture the fight for the future of movies ben fritz we cover the movie that defined the seat one mentality for all time, Reese Witherspoon's indie classic, Election. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want. A link is in the show notes. Dune Pod is a tape deck podcast, John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. Transcripts provided by Sophie Shin. The episode was edited by Megan Hayward of Edit Audio and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.